0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Stand Up To Sitting podcast. I am your host and chief energy officer, Jeremy Abramson. And guys, I am super stoked for today's guest, Patrick Frost. I've been trying to get in touch with this dude for a while, patrick has become one of the most influential people in the fitness industry he's a nike master trainer and founder of frostfit his mission is to empower others to recognize the importance of movement play and self-expression dude patrick what's up man welcome to the show bro
1: great energy in here by the way that was a really nice intro
0: Dude, we we gotta we gotta got do it right. That was amazing. Thank you. I should walk into the room like bah, 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 bah. Exactly, bro. Like walk walking in with that as your mission, wearing it on your yes. sleeve. That's it right there. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, dude. Um super stoked to have you in here. I first was familiar with you, I think through social media like probably a couple years ago. Mm. Um and I think we first connected in person What, like three, four months ago?
1: What? Uh, Yeah, at the... um,
0: Dirt. Was it Dirt? No, at uh, the Kettlebell. um, Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Oh, that was like probably six months ago. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. So I really admire everything that you're doing and everything you put out there. And I think a lot of other people do too. Like you touch a lot of lives every day. And I just want to know a little bit about your journey How you landed in Miami, I know you're a world traveler, but how you got to Miami and really got so passionate about fitness, what drove you to that avenue?
1: So growing up, I was uh, a wild kid. I feel like I, just like um, any kid that grew up in Georgia, I played around in the Backyard Creek, I tried my hand at all sorts of different sports, Um, and nothing really stuck. I did play discus randomly, that was like my main thing in track and field for a good like six years. Yeah, I was um uh discus and swim swim were were my sports which is ironic now because i'm such a team oriented person i thrive off of energy and energy of groups that i was solely interested in all these like solo sports uh and that i excelled but i think that was also a reflection of maybe just like battles that i was going through as a kid so moving to new york city i was really wild um really into going out and partying and then it hit me that Fitness has been the constant in my life, and I needed to really jump into that full force and with my heart, and um, I lucked out and got a job and sort of got my certifications, and then everything sort of snowballed for me, and I think in life, when things are right and everything's pointing in the right direction, you end up where you're supposed to be. Right. So that was here in Miami. Love
0: it, dude. Yeah. Love it. Um, Talk a little bit more about your youth growing up in Georgia. Because on a military base with all of your family with that type of background, that must have had a profound impact. I want to know just a little bit about that and how that kind of shaped you at a young age.
1: Yeah, I never look at my childhood as like a negative. There were some things that I think triggered some bad habits down the line. But man, growing up as a kid on a military base, I felt safe. Um, I understood the importance of respect uh, for your neighbor, respect for the space that you take up in this world, respect for all the odd jobs that people have. My father really instilled at me at a young age to always um, shake the hand of the janitor and the principal in my school the same way. So mm, I, love um, that. I was just, you know, I was really lucky to have such a great childhood in a lot of ways. Um, but you know, also growing up on a military base as a homosexual, I knew I was gay since I was like six. I knew that there was something different about me in terms of like what I was not necessarily attracted to, but I always felt more aligned with my female counterparts. I did have like two older sisters, um, who were super inspirational to me growing up. So hanging out with guys, um, wasn't like supernatural, because I just didn't grow up a lot around men. And, um, and I mean, yeah, so there were some little hiccups here and there, uh, in terms of just being gay in middle Georgia on a military base. But um, yeah, like I said, my childhood was amazing in a lot of ways. And the character that I possess now and what I what, at, what's at my core and what interests me in life, what pushes me forward. Uh, A lot of that has to do with what my father and my parents really instilled in me at that young age. So I'm forever grateful.
0: Talk a little bit about this double life, right? Because of course you're starting to recognize that you're a little unique, you're a little different. Maybe some of your interests aren't typical of a six-year-old boy, but having that background right, with the military you want to kind of conform or you feel the need to conform. So talk a little bit. I'm I'm fascinated by the dichotomy of trying to integrate all of these things and and what type of confusion did that yeah. create?
1: I think I always desperately wanted to be me and sit still in myself and just be comfortable with myself. But there was also another voice that was saying, you know, hide these aspects of you that were so natural. Like things that I thought would let people know I was gay, I like hid. So I, I, you know, I was loud. I was sassy. I was funny. I was, I liked playing with Barbies when I was six. I liked cooking. I liked doing all these things, but I also did naturally like, you know, all these typical like male things. Like I liked camping. I liked, um, racing bikes with my friends or, you know, wrestling or what have you. So I think there was never silence. I was never comfortable for like 17, 18 years. Well, I take that back since the time I recognized that I was gay and me coming out. So from six to 18, Mm. I think that there was always this sort of dialogue in the back of my head about hiding something, kick your feet out when you walk, make it look more masculine, drop your voice, sound deeper, um, hold your hands, a certain way put your hands in your pocket i was always checking my physical appearance to the outside world and and kind of second guessing every choice um but there was a big side of me that really wanted to live in my truth so it was a battle like i it was a constant conversation about doing something or should
0: not do something i can only imagine man when when do you is there a moment in time where you identify as like i don't give a fuck i'm just going to be my genuine authentic self and whoever whoever supports me, great. And whoever doesn't, fuck you. Was there a defining moment you can think of?
1: There are like layers to that moment. There's moment. There's little moments that lead up to that moment. I think, and a lot of that is when you start exploring that sort of sexuality when you're a kid, and um, like, MySpace was a way that I would get to know
0: ah. other
1: people around me that I didn't really know that were also gay. So there were ways that I would comfortably put myself out there on, you know, some sort of dialogue or or, or, or what have you with other gay people that happen to live in a circumference around me. And that only made me feel more comfortable in my skin until the point when I was like 18 and I was like, I need to I need to need to be who I am.
0: Hmm. For for. For those people listening who don't know what MySpace is, it's a social network before Facebook. So just want to make that clear because I know we have a lot of younger listeners, but I'm wondering at this time, 18, because I'm just thinking about myself, right? Like I'm 28 now and I'm thinking just how literally every single day, every month, every year, it's just constant evolution, constant growth. And I look back at myself like six months ago, I'm like, I can't believe I did that shit. I can't believe I said that thing. So I'm trying to go back to 18, just myself and thinking of how immature and just unknowledgeable I am. Mm. And I'm just thinking about how courageous that must be to kind of take ownership of where you're at and recognizing like this, this is gonna be a game changing situation for you, your family, everyone around you, what was, what was the support like for your family? Because I I've read up and I know that your dad said a lot of things as, as a kid, right. Um, kind of speaking out about homosexuality. Yeah, when I was six,
1: he made a comment that really instilled in me that I was gay. I just knew from then on that I had to hide it. He took me—I think I was acting really effeminate—and I was. We were in Connecticut visiting his family, and he took me outside, and he was like, "Do you know what gay is?" And I was like, "Yeah, it's when a man loves a man and a woman loves a woman." And I knew that because both my sisters are seven and fourteen years older than me, so I grew up uh, with a much more mature audience uh, and preview to a lot of, I mean, my sister had a gay best friend that came over all the time. So I was very aware of what homosexuality was. And my father just simply said, well, my son will never be gay. And I was like, mental no, I have to act straight, <laughs> like, or change something about me. And as, as innocent as, a, as a, I truly believe his comment was innocent. Like, I don't believe he meant to be like, I'm going to fuck you up for 10 years now, <laughs> like mentally. But I do think, uh, there was a, Place of protection he was coming from. I don't think, you know, what how old, what year was that? Nineteen ninety four. I don't think in nineteen ninety four it was like a really great uh, thing to know that your child could be gay. That that world probably didn't really seem safe for them or very um, welcoming. So, mm. I think in his eyes, he was just, you know, if you could change this, change this now. So, my parents divorced when I was eleven or twelve. Eleven and officially twelve. And uh, that really was a catalyst to a lot of other bad behaviors down the line. And I really pushed him away. So when I came out at 18, I was very close with my mother and very distant from my father. And I anticipated a very specific reaction for both. My mother at the time, uh, like I said, she was one of my really good friends. And um, she did not take it so well. She wasn't super... um, She was just very surprised and she wasn't very... uh, equipped at that time to really deal with it my father on the other hand i came out to him on on the over the phone i remember being like dad i'm gay and there was like a pause and this I go, is at 18. this is at 18. okay and i was like dad i'm gay and i'm long pause and i'm thinking about joining the military because i was like wanting to soften it you know <laughs> i was like sorry to you down but i'm also going to be a man still so he um there was a long pause in his end and he's like i don't think this is a great idea and i was like waiting for the ball to drop and him to say something like really negative. And he was like, I don't want my son to be in a place where he can't express his love openly, or something along those lines. And I remember being like, am I talking to my dad? This is my dad. And then from then on out, I was, you know how you mentioned, you're you're on a path of ever changing, ever growing. I had a lot of like bad dating habits. Like I was obviously looking at like older men very uh, fondly, like at 18, 35 seems old. Right. so that that was the pool that I would try to date. And I remember at 18 or that year I turned 19, New Year's to me is my birthday. So every year I like to frame what I want to focus on to be better human. And at 19, I wanted to have a better relationship with my father for the sole reason that I wanted to have a better love relationship with the world around me and the people that I choose to let in. And um, that honestly was a great catalyst to I mean, my dad officiated my wedding that I just had two weeks ago. He um, is extremely loving, extremely present, um, and couldn't be. I mean, he f- voted for Trump at the same time. I mean, he the guy's got his beliefs, you know. But I know, um, I know that he supports and loves me. He just has, you know, of course, his perception of the world, the way he sees it, as a cisgendered white male growing up in New England, poor. How he views the world is completely different than how mm-hmm. I view it from being a closeted gay man in middle Georgia on a military base who grew up middle class. Wow. So we just see the world differently and we meet in a place of love. And I think, I feel like I'm on a rant right now, but I think as you get older, you tend to look at your parents and their decisions a lot differently and with a little bit more respect because. I mean, we don't have kids. Could you imagine having freaking kids right now? And tr- we're still growing. I feel like yeah. I'm a child every day in a yeah. lot of ways. I couldn't imagine trying to make a really good human while I'm still in the process of becoming a really good human. Right. So there's a lot of empathy I have for the decisions that my parents made in the past because I turned out, I turned out okay. Could have gone
0: different, but I, I turned out pretty good. Dude, that's really, really dope just because... I didn't know that you guys were on good terms like that because what I see so often is there's that, there's that moment. There's that time in our childhood where we are frustrated with our parents. Mm. We don't understand them. There's a lack of compassion. And then that resentment builds in both parties, especially a lot of times if it's men, the ego is too big to come down to earth Mm. and realize like, listen, I love you. Like the fact that he said that to you at 18 or 19, like literally gave me goosebumps because the fact that he was able to get out of his own narrative, his own perceptions that he's had throughout his life and recognize, wow, I can either go two ways here. Mm. I can either completely distance myself from my only son or I can show compassion, show unconditional love and Make this work. So,
1: you know, it's funny that you say that. So I I think diversity is extremely important in this world. And my father's choosing to be compassionate in that sort of fork in the road moment really stemmed from the fact that he had a close working relationship with someone who happened to be gay. Mm. So he didn't have, say, relationships growing up with people that were homosexual because that wasn't the circle that he had. And he retired from the military when I was like in ninth grade, I believe, 10th grade. So when I was like 15. So afterwards he worked for another company that basically kind of is aligned with the military. It's called Pratt Whitney. Um, And one of his coworkers happened to be an openly gay man. And they got along great because they're both awesome humans. And I I think my dad having that moment with somebody who he assumed would be behaving X would be, you know, inciting why or you know whatever he perceived this sort of community to look like, I think this person really opened his eyes, and I think you know I thank this person, I don't know who it is, but that's the reason why diversity is so important and travel and and getting to know your neighbor and 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 kind of just exploring the world because it just creates a better insight and empathy to someone else's world and their perception of the world so I mean, my father you know if i would have just said dad i'm going to join the military it would have been awesome but i said dad i'm gay and i'm joining the military he immediately saw it you know what that could look like for me and that empathy was developed because of the relationship that he got to have with a coworker that opened up his mind yeah did you have any legitimate desire to
0: join the military
1: i mean it's what everybody did i'm from a military base i like i grew up around it all my family is military literally all my family, my, my sisters have both married into the military. Um, I just thought that that was what I was going to do. I had dreams of wanting to be an actor. I remember when I was a kid, I was like, I want to be on TV. And, um, I didn't really, I kind of pursued that a little bit, but I, I just assumed that I would just end up being in Warner Robins, Georgia my whole life. Kind of. I'm kind of thankful that I, you know, I'm gay in this incident because not that Warner Robins is bad. I just, I love the world that I live in now. And I don't think I would have been pushed to search for a circle that accepted me like they did in New York City. When I, when I first moved there, um, had, I felt like I had already found my circle and I was in search of it. So I'm thankful for that diversity that I felt as a kid because it pushed me to explore where I belong in this world and what my worth is. And the space that I, the space that I take up in this world is, is worth something and is impactful and,
0: um, it's important. Yeah. I think it reflects too, just like looking at your body of work. I mean, community is a huge, huge facet to what you do, whether it's teaching classes or just bringing people together. I think that's one of your superpowers and, you know, the human race didn't get to the top of the food chain because we're the strongest or the fastest, mm. right? Cheetahs are faster than us. Bears are stronger, but it's because the power of collaboration and mm. community and leaning on other people when you need that support or accountability. So I guess mm. my question for you is, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening right now who feel ostracized. Mm. They feel alone and Maybe maybe it is because they're homosexual. Maybe it's because they just think different for various different reasons. They feel alone. They don't feel like they have a safe space to connect with people like you have. What is one piece of advice that you could give those people that are really looking for that safety and support?
1: So it's scary, right? Like, I think as humans, we have this like need to conform and need to feel like similar to the people around us so we can kind of help make sense of the world that we see. But, you know, there are little things about my physical appearance that I remember used to, I used to always hate, like I hate my freckles, I, I or I used to hate my freckles rather. But as I've gotten older, I've leaned into this and it's made me stand out in a room full of people. So what I would say is like lean into whatever feels different for you. What, like if you, however you see the world, let the world know this is how you see it. Cause it, somebody needs to hear it. You're there's You're a, you're not going to be the only one who sees the world like that. And B that's not how innovation is. Has it? That's not how we innovate as a society. You know, we don't just look at the same, the, the same thing one way. In order for things to change and for us to grow, we have to have these different viewpoints. Um, Just like how if I were to look at just this cup, I couldn't see your face, but if I had an aerial view, I could see how much water is in it. I can see the distance between Mm. me and you in this cup. We need to have different people um, to be present in this society so that we can change for the better, I I think. So if, if whoever's listening to this, and if you do feel alone in the world, there's, Statistically speaking, you cannot be the only one with this viewpoint. There is a billion of us. So seven point five billion. Seven point five billion. So whatever superpower that you are hiding because it it's masked by this, what you think is is different and scary, I think you need to lean into that. And I think you need to let it shine and and just let the world see the way you see
0: it. Right. And I think like you touched upon, it's so challenging sometimes to do that because We all have the innate desire to be liked, Mm. right? And naturally, when you go into a situation and you are your true authentic self, there's going to be people that are turned off by that, right? There's going to be people that write you off, but you're also going to attract your tribe. Right? You have to put your energy out there. This is something for me that was so profound. Like when I was traveling this past month, and it really was the first time I understood what the law of attraction meant. Mm. Because I booked a one way flight to London and 33 days of just spontaneity. Like I literally, there's times where I didn't know what country I was going to be in the next day. And I went purely off energy and vibes. Like, you know, there's times I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's times like where I would connect with someone. I think we spoke about this too, but there's times where I would connect with someone in the hostel or in the street and they're like, yo, do you want to do this? Like go to this place? And I'm like, fuck it, let's go. Yeah. And like being open to those possibilities, but really just understanding like, yeah, we're on the same wavelength, you know, and our thoughts become our things. Mm-hmm. So if you can, if you can really frame whatever's in your mind right now, it might be a limiting belief, whatever it is, but turn that and somehow turn it in, transform it into a positive and really don't be afraid to ask for help. I, th- I think that's something big, like people sometimes feel the need to take everything on by themselves mm-hmm. or they don't want to burden other people. I don't know if you found, found that in your journey, in your process,
1: Yeah. I mean, also just wanted to touch base back on what you said about finding your tribe and getting on that same wavelength. I think there are moments in life when that's super important to do. And I also think there's moments in life where you need to create waves and you need to go to places where you don't feel necessarily the most accepted and you need to stand out. And because, because you're going to create something that needed to be there either within you or within someone else. Um, but yeah, asking for help. I've I've actually always been pretty decent at like asking for help. I'm not afraid of being like I suck at this, uh, and it's not a bad dialogue I have internally. I just know that what my strength lies is X, um, and it's always been really simple. I'm really good with people, so whatever is like something tactile with a person, I know that's where I'm going to be. Great at. Um, I think I did belittle myself if I wasn't capable of like creating a website by myself or or all these things that were just maybe more intuitive to, you know, the people that we see, do those things. And I just think that you know, to your point, asking for help is really important, and it's also about creating a team to get one vision done.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. What talk about talk about some of these waves that you've created or that you're in the process of creating
1: waves that I've created? Um, well, I was with a company called Barry's bootcamp for close to 10 years. And that was my first job, um, in the fitness world. And I remember I was 22 when I got hired, um, in New York city when they first opened up. And I mean, I didn't have an education in the fitness world prior to that, I think after my first month there, I was like, okay, this is something that I want to be really good at. I owe it to myself to challenge myself to be really good at this. So then I enrolled myself in this um, academy called American Academy of Personal Training. And it was kind of like learning a trade. I spent like three months, five days a week, five hours a day, uh, basically breaking down all the general aspects of fitness, uh, kinesiology, uh, biomechanics, macronutrition, how to operate and run your own business. And then from there, I found the confidence because I had the knowledge. And then once I had the confidence, I just stuck my nose to the floor and did my work. And what was innate in me was creating a what was something that what the intangible that I couldn't teach myself or, or learn from somewhere else is the need to, to want people to get along, and I want people to love each other. That's like that's the lamest way to put it, but it's something that is so simple in me, and I it, it truly translates to my friend group. I have such a weird eclectic group of friends that I love like putting together, but the commonality of the people that ended up sticking around in my class or my friend group, everybody has this like really good soul and they all have different interests, different things. But this 1230 class that I used to teach for freaking eight years, seven years, they call themselves the wolf pack. It was 60 people. It was sold out. I mean, it was, it was intense and it was awesome. They made t-shirts for me. They always surprised me with like my birthday and we would go out to dinners. I mean, we became a family. So when I look back at my career, I'm most proud of the connections that I created. I mean, I'm going to a wedding in three weeks in Italy and that person is originally just a client that stepped through my 1230 class who met their roommate who is now their best woman i mean it's like it you know i am so thankful that i had got to be present in so many people's lives and um so many people wanted me to be present in theirs so uh the waves that i create are i i don't purposely go into a situation saying i'm going to create a wave i think people just are people and good people want to be around good people
0: yeah it's, it's the law of attraction law of attraction it all, comes, it. It all comes back to it yeah yeah, man. I, I talking to you more and kind of getting to know you better, I've I've come to notice, at least my opinion, is I always try to figure out what people's superpowers are. Mm-hmm. Because that is where the power lies. And so often, you know, we're our harshest critic and we reflect on maybe our shortcomings. But the more we talk, I think you're biggest superpowers are creating community because it's not easy to build a group of 60 people consistently coming in every day in a place like New York where there's so many options, so many Mm. distractions and you were able to do that. And I know you did similar type stuff in Miami, but also the other, the other superpower that's becoming more prominent to me is the self awareness, the self awareness you have And being able to recognize, okay, here are things that I'm good at, Mm. that I want to leverage, and here are areas where I need to get support. So I just wanted to acknowledge you because I think self-awareness is so crucial for any sort of growth and development, Mm. right? If we're going to create our own path and really pursue our purpose.
1: Yeah. It's also my biggest weakness, that superpower, because- I'm in my head a lot, so I will. I'm a Virgo. I don't know if that has anything to do. I'm with I'm a Virgo
0: it. too. Uh, Was that brother? So September
1: what? Seventeen. Okay, one, one week th- after mine. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know if you this happens to you, but um, I get I can get very like trapped in my own wavelength, in my own what I how I um, how I want something to be done, and. Um, And it can be debilitating sometimes, especially when I was younger. This superpower was not something I found a strength. I would get lost in this sort of like overthinking thing. And um, I've lately learned just to kind of shut that aspect up. And meditating and breath work and all this stuff really helps. I mean, it's a form of anxiety, I think, this sort of overthinking um, thing. And I think also we're in an age where people are constantly saying some sort of mental health disease um, but I, I do think that whatever the superpower is, is very debilitating a lot of times. And I'm thankful that like things like meditation and yoga and just expressing my body, it's made it more manageable mm. so I can like actually decipher the conversations that I'm trying to have within myself and, um, kind of get shit done. Cause I can get, I can get stuck in that little wheel. Mm. It gets very, where um, or you're second guessing your, it's not second guessing. It's like. It's like okay, if I do this, then here's the three things that could happen, and if those three mm-hmm. things happen. Here are the three more things that could stem from that thing. Yeah. So it's like it's just getting lost in in bullshit. Like right. it's it's really you just have to make the move, um, yeah, and then and then just go from there.
0: Yeah, I find my, it's funny, and it, it, maybe it is a Virgo thing. I'm not the biggest horoscope guy, yeah, but I think it's fascinating because I think so much of this stuff is on point. Hmm. But I find myself also getting stuck sometimes in that train of thought. And that's why for me, like traveling was so amazing. That's why honestly doing shit like this, like just talking from the heart genuinely, yeah. because like we're so present in the conversation, our phones aren't on us, you know, we're we're not getting distracted. It's like, those are the situations and moments that I'm trying to really bring more of into my life. Because it's fucking beautiful when you get in that state yeah. where it's like, dude, all of the shit you've overcome, bro, like starting as a six year old in Georgia, it's like play out literally. I I think this would be a great exercise for you actually is like literally making a roadmap of your life, like with the most with, with all of the moments and times that pop out like that you help, that you feel like helped shape and define who you are today. And just like literally follow the path Mm -hmm. and And gain understanding and recognition of all of this shit that you've overcome, all of the adversities, all of the obstacles, and then use that, use that new found perception, perspective for anything that you're struggling to get through. Like, I think for you, like, that that would be so powerful because you're going to see like all the crazy shit that you've overcome. It's like, dude, really? I was worried about this thing. Like- you know what I'm saying? Totally.
1: Yeah, that's good. We Nike actually had us do this last year. They put a Nike Master Trainer Summit together. So only the Nike Master Trainers came, and they, this, they gave us this exercise. They gave us a big sheet of paper, and they said, write your timeline. And um, we all had to basically say, this is my life, and then talk about it in front of all the other Nike Master Trainers. And um, it is very cathartic, but it's also, uh, empowering to know that your story is, you know, we internalize the things that happen to us and we, I'm so thoroughly impressed by the, my fellow Nike master trainers, because I mean, things that have happened to me, they hurt at the time. But when I see the growth and the things that other people have gone through, it gives you a sense of perspective that, you know, also what other little thing that is troubling you there is someone else out there that is dealing with a lot more and yeah. that's a healthy perspective to also remember as well. Um, that, but yeah, that's funny that you just said that cause, um, we were talking about how the Nike master trainer hasn't happened this year and wh- when we're going to do it. Um, and that was a really dope exercise to get us really close together and kind of like see how far we've come and see how different we all are from each other as well.
0: Yeah. And, Talking about Nike and all of the other accolades and achievements you've had in the industry and stuff like that, um, I'm just curious to know because I know how much you value movement. Mm. You know, whether it's body weight, whether it's kettlebells, but these type of expressions, right? I'm wondering, has that always been a a foundation for you? Where, like, like in terms of your personal fitness, meditation, movement journey? How does that look?
1: Yeah, I think it's an evolution. I think uh, there's uh, Baz Lermers has this Wear Sunscreen song for the class in 1999. I don't know if you've ever heard it. But it's just a slew of advice. Um, Everybody needs to go listen to this now. Because that song is one of the main reasons why I moved to New York City. It's one of the main reasons why uh, I kind of live my life. I always kind of remember this whole slew of advice. And one of the things it says is, use your body any way you can never be afraid of it never be ashamed of it it's the greatest instrument you'll ever own and um i my when my parents went through divorce when i was 11 my sister used to play this over and over for me so i can go to bed uh we had to share a room because we were in between houses at one point so uh i grew up like just instilling my this sort of like these little nuggets of information and as a kid i always moved around but um You know, when you're younger, the idea of meditation and sitting still for someone who's like type A and like wants to move and express—that's a more difficult uh, task to kind of take on when you're that young, for sure. And the still hard, yeah, still hard, still hard. But the evolution of movement and the importance behind it has constantly changed. And what's great is I've, I've kept the, the 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 things that I was interested in the past. Like I wanted to join the circus, so for a year and a half, I. Um, did silks and Chinese trapeze uh, in New York City, and I, um, and then I just recently got into Olympic lifting like three years ago, and that was like a new thing that was uh, for me. My cousin was a professional bodybuilder, so at thirteen, I that's how I started working out was with him. Um, I've always moved my body, and I've I've taken things that felt good and kept going, and some things that you know I, I've gotten older. Some things don't feel great anymore like <laughs> Olympic lifting is something that you know I have to really listen to how my body feels that day um but I think play in general is what we should really encourage our youth and my dad taught me karate when I was a kid so I can probably still do a mid-split right now uh with no warm-up very impressive I know but <laughs> both sides no well mid-split being like oh this shit yeah um but that, uh, yeah, I think that's like, that's like the cool thing about your body is like, it's gonna constantly change and it's your job to kind of challenge it. Like you have to walk this balance of challenging it and nurturing it. Mm. And um, I think the things that we probably do now, stand, we're a little more interested in it because we know that there's such a crossover in actual like performance, like right. meditating and yoga. And, you know, if I wanna, you know, back squat, 350 for three reps. It may not seem like it's important, but getting into that like parasympathetic state quickly between sets um, and getting my mind ready and, and 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 being ready and not reactive when I'm actually performing these exercises is super important. And that's something that doing things like
0: yoga and breath work will teach you to do. Yeah. I don't know if that answered your question, but. <laughs> I know, for sure, for sure. I think, like you said, the biggest thing that at least I took away from everything you said was to be open-minded and to constantly try new things because our nervous system craves new challenges. Totally. And when we're kids, we're constantly learning new things, whether it's learning how to talk, learning how to walk, learning how to eat, learning how to play an instrument, right? We're constantly loading up our nervous system with all of this knowledge and power. And then, for some reason, when we grow old, it's like old, and I mean, you and I are still yeah, fucking yeah. young. Yeah, we're yeah. kids. We, we, we get in this mental state, like, oh, I'm too old to take up guitar. I'm too old to learn that because there's people better than me, right? Yeah. That's and, so sad.
1: Dude. And really, when you're babies, we're such tactile learners. Like we, you know, they they give you like play-doh and like these like different textured things so that sensory development starts happening at an early age and you start understanding the world around you and all these things. Like, um, I think there's an aspect of physical touch that should always be encouraged. And I think movement is an expression of that. Um, and I think we're just so fucking lazy now. Like, Mm. I think people just want to sit and Netflix and chill. And I'm guilty with that. I mean, I, I love... I'm a big advocate of weed. I love marijuana. Um, and I love a good off day where I'm just, I take an edible, I do a light run or something like that. And then I just chill out or go see a movie, but there has to be balance. Um, I also have a lot of friends in the fitness industry that are on the other extreme of things where they're too active. Um, but I don't think that's the majority of the world. And I think Mm -hmm. that all these fads of, you know, CBD and we need to, uh, rest and recover. I don't think people are really working out hard enough to earn all these recovery aspects. Mm. I, I don't, I think, I think we need to be moving more and encourage movement more and just really focus on building foundations as opposed to here's how you get a six pack ab. Like we're so interested in, in the destination that f- people are just forgetting about the journey. Yeah. And I'm probably now currently in the best shape of my life. And I, this is the least i have focused on in terms of aesthetics in my whole life I, I i could give two shits right now if i happen to have a six pack or or what have you you have a nice six pack thank you very much i work really hard on it but um, but you know what i mean like i just enjoy my body in such a different way
0: and i just i want people to kind of find that that happiness mm. um, i love that bro like when you're talking there's so many light bulbs going off so I'm like, I don't want to interrupt him, yeah. but <laughs> but I, I sensed a pause there, so I'm going to chime in. Yeah, and I think what you said just recently is so important about just moving, hmm. right? That like just moving and and enjoying the process because I'm not sure. Are you familiar with the blue zone study? Blue zone. Oh yes. Yeah, um, that's with the um, uh, telomeres.
1: Uh, you're talking about with the life expectancy in some parts of the world that are a lot
0: higher than others. So the blue zone study basically found these seven areas of the world that not only have the longest lifespan, but also the highest quality of life. Mm -hmm. Right. And obviously I'm not exactly sure how they measure that, but the people there genuinely seem happy. Okay. And I don't know if it's subjective how they measure this, but anyways, these seven areas, there's a few commonalities. Okay. Um, is huge. Community is huge, but none of them train. None of them train. They're just constantly moving throughout the day, whether it's carrying something, whether it's playing a sport, whether it's yeah. going for walks. Taking the
1: stairs exactly. instead of the these, elevators. Yeah. These
0: little things that just add up and our body's designed to move. Our body's designed to move. And the last thing I want to touch on based on what you said was the two extremes. There's the Netflix and chill. And then there's the person, you know, overdoing it three, four hours and driving their body into the ground. And one of the things that I've kind of noticed is, is that the way we do one thing always shows up in other ways. Mm -hmm. So, so what I mean by that is if you are not taking the time to commit moving your body to show yourself the self-love and care that you need why like what intrinsically is going on in your mind that's telling yourself that you're not worthy yeah of being healthy and if you think about it that is really the deep dichotomy of what you're telling yourself if you're not taking care of your body Because it's such a selfish thing to do because that's not going to allow you to have the energy and the love and the Mm. care for the people in your life. So if you're listening and you're lacking motivation, inspiration, consistency with your health and wellness, think about those people in your life who you love the most and you need to show up at a high quality for them. Okay. So if that means a 10 or 15 minute walk. Fine, that's a great start, but continue building on that. And I think that's what Patrick is saying and reiterating is like, at different times in your life, different things are gonna resonate with you. Maybe, you know, maybe you get into a yoga phase and like, you're super into that, amazing. Crush it, ride that wave. Ride that wave and when you're ready to start your own wave,
1: shift. Now there is a difference I think with like being specific in your sport. Like obviously, if you're just like a weekend warrior, run with those interests. But if you're somebody who's really trying to accomplish like a fitness goal, you do have to structure your workout and your program specifically around said goal. Because specificity, which I murder that word all the time, comes at a cost. And when we're trying to get stronger, I've gone through programs where I'm literally just focused on strength training for like three three months. And then boom, my flexibility suffers. There's, there and there's there's, I'm learning from my peers and stronger people around me and people that have been doing this a lot longer and there are better ways to stay mobiles and continue to grow stronger. But I do think, um, the average human being out there could just afford moving their body on a daily basis in a way that feels good with them to them. Uh, and I, I just think people need to run with that a little bit more. And I also wanted to touch back with, um, Talking about the way you're, you're, you're saying these blue zones kind of enjoy life um, and how much movement is actually in their day-to-day. I went to Beijing this earlier this year, and I don't know if you've been to I that area, but they, they do not have westernized toilets, majority of the places. It is uh, a situation where you squat down for an extended period of time. And it literally had me thinking like how many mobile 80 year olds that that population actually has like the amount of like dorsiflexion that these people have to have in order to achieve like, what if somebody has like food poisoning and they're stuck on this situation, you know, they have to use the bathroom for an extended period of time, longer than like a two minutes, you know, you ask like a westernized, even mid 20 year old at this point to hold a deep primal squat for longer than 30 seconds and they're falling over. Um, it's, it's just amazing to me that, in the search of feeling comfort and being comfortable uh, and the way society views the importance of staying comfortable, we've lost and atrophied uh, uh, in a lot of ways. There, I, I'm on a riff right now, but a friend of mine who's a teacher, she's been a teacher, an elementary school teacher for 15 years, Kids are losing the dexterity of their hand, she's a kindergarten teacher, of their hands. Not losing it, but just not gaining it as early as they used to. Because now they're on iPads and they're using their fingers in different ways. So there's like the false grip that we start learning how to actually write and then it gets more acute and uh, more precise as we get older. And some of these kids don't have any of that. and they're they're having trouble putting their backpacks on hangers it's um it's just crazy i think we need to encourage play and we need to encourage movement and i think that needs to be something that we instill at a young age and we continue to push when we get older
0: yeah. and as we get older yeah it makes me think about like if like writing is probably becoming obsolete i guess you know that's why journaling like pen to paper is so powerful i yeah. think that that connection <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so I wanna know. I wanna know just kind of being in the space that we're in, and like you said, kind of that alpha male, like to be fully transparent. I don't know if this is relevant to the conversation, but I remember first stumbling upon uh stumbling upon your Instagram and just like scrolling through, and I was like, damn, like this dude's a fucking beast. Because I've always pride myself and and this is probably from insecurity in the past. Mm. I attached my self worth to like my best features, right? The f- features I got complimented on the most, which is like my abs and my eyes. And then I see this motherfucker like in the room, and I'm like, damn, he has he has better abs and better eyes than me. <laughs> but I'm worthless.
1: I'm worthless. But, uh, when we first met, I remember being like, yo, we could be related. We look like
0: we have similar yeah. like aesthetics. So we have That's a similar look. Huge compliment. Thank you. Um. So I'm wondering though, people like people from the outside they see the way something appears, the life appears, whether it's social media, whatever whatever the outlet is, right? But we're constantly in this game of comparing, mm. right? And like one of my favorite quotes is Teddy Roosevelt: "Comparison is the thief of joy," and I feel like that also steals from being present. It's because we click someone's story and we see they're on a yacht party. It's like, Oh fuck. Like I'm in here, you know, like doing office work and this person's on a yacht and we get caught in this hamster wheel. And I'm wondering if you can relate to that, if that happens to you. And if you do find yourself in those situations, what do you do to kind of remove yourself?
1: That's a great question. First of all. Um, yeah, I mean, It's funny because in the past, if I've ever gotten stuck on this hamster wheel of comparing myself to somebody, it's never a stranger. It's somebody who is close to me and a friend. And it's never, it's never like, um, they have something better than I have. It's, it's sort of just, it's kind of like, well, when am I going to have a go at, at, at that scenario? Cause a lot of my friends were all pretty much at the same level, trying to achieve similar things. And there's so much space, space in this community, in, the, in this uh, field that we live in and we thrive in, that we can all succeed. Um, I think in those moments of being insecure, that's when you start comparing yourself more. Um, so to break the cycle, what I do first, and it's with anything, anything that I get stuck with emotionally that's like sad or, or not great, I will go and work out. I'll get a sweat on and I'll gain a new perspective. And I won't even really think about it. Um, and then nine times out of 10, either after that workout, all of a sudden, whatever was stressing me out before really doesn't seem that important. Um, but I'm also lucky enough to have uh, a partner in my, in, life, in my life that literally thinks Instagram is the dumbest thing in the world. And like couldn't be bothered by anybody's um, perception of the world, not that he He's not like a negative Nancy. I'm not saying anything like that. He just doesn't really care for the way society kind of uh, lays importance on yachts and all these like things. So he doesn't hype me up when I get into that place. You know, he's just kind of like, oh, that's their life. And I also feel super blessed to live the life that I have. I don't think... um, I don't think that um, what somebody has or doesn't have is going to affect what I can have or can't have. Mm. Um, And I think the hamster wheel sucks and it's real and we all kind of deal with it. And I think it's just a matter of knowing who you are in this world, what your superpowers are, the, um, the kind of strength that you need to kind of instill in yourself. I don't know about you, but I feel really lucky that Instagram didn't come out until later in my life because had the importance of likes and comments be what it was when be what it is now when I was like 13 and 12, mm. we would have been fucked. I mean, like, and actually, Instagram is apparently changing this whole liking
0: thing, it's going to be not yeah. showing how many likes, say, someone so gets. They're doing that right now in Australia as kind yeah. of like their test market. And I'm hoping it comes here because you know, so many people that's that's they get that dopamine hit and they yeah. they they see, okay, I post like actually a meaningful caption. From my heart and it gets like 112 likes. It is and, the most infuriating thing. And then I post something like just super surface level, just a picture, a selfie in the mirror with my abs popping. It's like 600 likes and like all of these heart emojis. You know what I mean? And and then again, we, t- we, we we go back, we start tying our self-worth into those things that other yeah. people are complimenting us on and oftentimes that's appearance oftentimes that's materialistic possessions whatever it is so then we have that train of thought that belief system okay this is who i am this is what people value me for rather than really diving in and 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 again sharing those vulnerable authentic moments um i want to touch back cuz you mentioned your partner mm. and you know for me uh for me i don't think I mean, I, I I don't think it matters gay, straight, right? it, like finding that person that you yeah. have that connection with, right? Um, and I'm just wondering, like past relationships, and we all kind of have had those toxic ones, and we have those common threads that seem to pop up. I'm just wondering how you navigated those situations, and when you kind of really understood, like, what type of person you were looking for? Mm. And then also how long you guys were together before you knew like, all right, like this is my life partner.
1: That's a really good question. That, was, a, that was
0: some heavy stuff. Yeah. I know.
1: Um, yeah okay. So I, I would say I've had one, two, three, four solid relationships in my life. The one that I'm currently in being one of them. And I would say... I probably broken two hearts and I've gotten and I, my, I've gotten my heart broken two times and I've learned a lot from every single relationship. And the one that I was in prior to the one I'm in currently was not great. It was very um, tumultuous and full of insecurities on both ends. Um, I mean, I was probably the worst possible human being I could be. And I was with a really bad version of a human being as well. Like their worst mm. people, you know, uh, I was really into drinking. I had really bad habits when I drank. when I drank. And so did this person as well. So it was just like fire and fire. And then God was listening and said, you have a shit ton of polyps on your vocal cords. You will now have surgery. And, this seems separate, but this person and I broke up, and then I had the surgery on my vocal cords, and I was out of work for three months. I had really bad polyps, they were, I let them go for years, they were hemorrhaging, they were- Is that
0: from coaching so much? Just like you-
1: screaming at the top of my lungs, yeah. yeah. I was teaching like 22 classes a week for a good year and a half, and it was like, it was bad. There's actually like a video of me for like a men's health contest, and I was like, "Hey guys, uh, like this voice is like terrible." Can we please pull that Never up and put it, put it in the show notes? I think I might have deleted it. So, but um, but uh, in those three months, I mean, I went from teaching, you know, 22 classes a week, averaging 60 person, 60 people in each class. So do the math: how many p- unique individuals I was seeing every every day, and living in New York C- City, to not being able to speak for a full month. I wasn't allowed to work out either because of the recovery from surgery. They didn't want me doing any flexion because I also had really bad acid reflux at the time. So I went from extremely stimulated and in my power zone to extremely like cut off from the world. And I even couldn't be around certain friends because you know being silent around some people is very difficult. Being silent around other people is a little bit easier. So I got into journaling. I did a bunch of different things. And a friend of mine came over and they said, we're gonna make a dream board. I was like, okay. So make a dream board. I actually this was in my vows, by the way, this two weeks ago. And in this dream board, I wrote where I wanted my career to go, what I wanted my life to look like. And there's a little section at the bottom left, and it was like how I deemed my perfect partner and what they look like. Mm-hmm. And it was a uh, cutout of a man's physique and words written around it. I put things like kind over his shoulder to say that this person would be kind behind people's backs and in front of them. I wrote things like funny on his throat, saying that he was funny. I wrote thing, or he said things like that was funny and I wrote like loving and caring around his arms so that when we like everything represented something. And then above this physique, I cut out a picture of eyes and that represented that whatever I deemed important in a partner, I need to also possess these qualities as well. And then I wrote other little things flash forward a few months later, I started dating Tiago and I knew something was different the minute like that the first like month. I remember calling my mom and being like, I'm going to marry this guy. And I never said that about any- anybody. And, um, I had like a cleaning service come over once to kind of clean my, help me clean my apartment. And I guess they hid the vision board. So I didn't see it for months. So now Tiago and I were dating like for five months and then I find it and I look at this cutout uh, of how I described this person and it was legitimately him. And I, like, look back at that moment because it was so powerful what I had to do in those three months to really digest the kind of human that I needed to, A, become, and also I was ready to accept in my life. Had I not gone through any of those things or relationships past, I would not have been able to deserve a man like him because he is legit. I mean, people like me, people fucking love Tiago. Like, he, um, he levels me up in a way that, like, I don't, I'm so lucky and fortunate for. He's the bee's knees and he's so solid as a human and I'm kind of like a kite. I kind of, you know, we're very similar, I think, in terms of energy. I want to play over here, I want to play over here. Right. And he's just sort of like home base without being boring, which is very difficult. He <laughs> so provides that stability. He provides that stability, which I didn't know I necessarily needed, but in order for me to be my 100% me and be as, as, as solid into my superpowers as, as possible, I need a yin to that yang. Um, and he provides that. And I'm so thankful that I have a soundboard like him. Um, and he's not perfect in a lot of ways. Like he doesn't give me everything I need as a, as a person. Uh, and I think that's also a part of accepting the relationships that you're also in. I think there are non-negotiables and there's negotiables. And there are some things that I, when I was younger, probably would have been like, well, he doesn't have this and just would have cut him off but I think it's, it, it's important to establish what's really important going forward in your relationship. And, um, my non-negotiables, he exceeds that. And then some, so.
0: Hell yeah, you, brother. You yeah. deserve the best. Thanks, man. Um, two things from that, that are super powerful. First of all, congrats on Thank the you. wedding two weeks ago, in Brazil, and you're about to be on your honeymoon in a couple of weeks in Italy. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking amazing, bro. Um, a couple things. We, we it seems like it's always coming back to this, but the law of attraction. Like you wrote it down, literally you wrote it down, and you had these words and this image in your mind. Totally. And you manifested that. It was crazy. It's it's so it's crazy, but the the crazy thing is it's the is that it's not that crazy right. because we're so much more powerful than we give ourselves credit, and we have the ability to be the source, the ability to manifest these bizarre things that we didn't think were possible totally so by simply putting that shit down on paper and actually looking at that and and taking the time to recognize the traits and the qualities that you're looking for you're able to attract that i think that's incredible and then also you know going back to the surgery you had right and i'm sure in the moment in those 3 months especially that first month when you weren't able to train or speak you were probably feeling sorry for yourself. Maybe not, but you were probably like, wow, like what did I do to deserve this? And that turned out to be the biggest gift of all because that three months provided you time to really look within, mm. reflect, and I feel like you you created such magic from that adversity, from those obstacles, which is also a common theme in your life in general, like overcoming (laughs) shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what's messed up too is when I got the clearance to
1: go ahead and work out, I then, like an idiot, went from... Completely sedentary for a month to 14 workouts in seven days and got a low level rhabdomyolysis. So I had muscle fiber explodes in your system and secretes toxins and overrides your kidney. You can pretty much die from this. They called it the CrossFit injury. I didn't get it from CrossFit, but I got it from going completely zero to a thousand because I was so eager to get my body moving. And like an idiot, I ended up getting sick. So then I had to get three different IVs, stations, uh, done and it was again, knocked on my ass for the next month as well. So it was, those three months were very traumatic almost. Uh, I saw on your questions that you sent over, what would be, what's like one of the hardest things that you probably got over. It. I would say those three months, I didn't know it at the time when I read it, but those three months were very difficult. Yeah. And then Nike happened right after that as well. It's Nike and Tiago.
0: Bro. It's, it's crazy how, and that's why that's why when we were we we were having a conversation before we put these mics in front of our face um about how like right now for you you were mentioning how like there's some uncertainty, right? There's like cause before you've had berries, you've had these other things that have been solidified. Yeah. It's like guaranteed income, guaranteed training, yeah, whatever. And I'm kind of in a similar place now where, you know, I've taken on less clients and I've become more open to possibilities. And I really think based on the energy and based on the vibration that we put out, I really, I'm really confident and don't get me wrong. I get anxious about this all the time, but I'm really confident that great opportunities are going to continue to come our way because we are living out what we preach. Like we're not doing this to be on magazine covers or to get more followers or to get money it's really to inspire and to create impact so i guess my words of encouragement for you and also myself <laughs> are to to like continue having faith and just the energy and everything that you've already created and accomplished because it's worked before it's going to yeah. continue you know what i mean yeah and um also it's like a good place to kind of be in sometimes yeah.
1: like uh this whole conversation so far has basically been talking talking about stay away from comfort right. or you know don't live in comfort for too long and i think right now we're probably both in a very uncomfortable place when it comes to career and what that looks like going forward um and i just think i have faith that whatever it is is it's meant to be bigger and better whatever 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 lull or, or focus that, um, lack of focus or whatever that I'm rambling right now, but cut that out. Don't use that.
0: <laughs> we're going to use it. Bud. We're going to use it. You know why? You know why we're going to use it? Because we're human. Sometimes we're going to stutter. Sometimes we're going to say something that doesn't sound right. That's the nature of being a human being. And I that's why I, I tell my guys, I'm like, unless it's really obvious, like yeah. I don't like to cut things because, you know, as a podcast host, people would expect, oh, he's a great speaker. He's great at doing these yeah. things. And I'm getting better. You know, I'm getting better. I have so much work to do. But when I stutter, when I say a wrong word, I want it to be on there, to yeah. be honest. Cause that's the way I am. I'm like. We talked about it before, letting people see your flaws, your yeah. vulnerabilities. I think it's really important. Dude, um, I could fucking talk to you forever, bro. I know we got to probably wrap this up, though, huh? This is, this is too much fun. All right, a couple things before we wrap up, though. Before we wrap up, I did not send this over to you because okay. I wanted to surprise you. I'm a, big, I'm a big surprise guy. The suspense. Can I get a little drum roll? Give me a better drum roll. Not just... There we go. Boom. That's learn learn, learn to play the drums, guys. Try a new instrument. Try <laughs> something new. Get out of your comfort zone. I'm just going to break the third wall the whole time now. Yep, yep, there you yep. Go. Here we go. <laughs> All right, so rapid fire questions. Okay. You ready? Yep. You ready? Yep. All right, cool. Favorite emoji? Uh, uh, that was it. I just did it. Emoji? Yeah. Oh, the face uh, with it? Okay. Yeah. Like okay. it's like I'm crazy. i you trying to
1: have a good time, but like don't fuck with me.
0: If you're if you're listening to this, make sure to watch the oh. <laughs> interview. Wait, wait, no, it's fine. If you're listening, they just have to watch it on YouTube. Yeah, we have the full episode there. Yeah. So if you want to see Patrick's Patrick's expression of that emoji he loves most, you have to watch YouTube. It's can't miss shit. All right, biggest pet peeve. Uh slow walkers. Ooh. Ooh. I fucking hate it. Yeah, that's probably from being in New York and everyone's No, kinda...
1: as a kid, I was like that too. My dad hated it. He, he almost lost me several times in many theme parks. I just hate slow walking. Wow.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that that's your biggest pet <laughs> peeve. Quote or mantra that you live by? Um, move to New York City once, but leave before it makes you too hard.
1: Live in Northern California once, but leave before it makes you too soft.
0: Wow. And what about Miami? Don't. Do it. (laughs) No,
1: I like Miami. Fuck Um,
0: (laughs) am Book or movie? I know you meant book or movie that's impacted you the most. I know you mentioned that song. So try and pick a book or movie, though. Um, I loved
1: Boondock Saints. I don't know if you know that. It's like these Irish guys that take on the mafia, and they pretty much just fight evil by doing evil things, but for good reasons. I like that. Mm,
0: Their intentions were good. Their intentions were good. And it's just a badass movie. You need to see it. Sweet, dude. Um, And question what are you most excited about right now? Like what, what's something going on in your life, um, in the world that really excites you? I'm excited by, I mean, I just got married. So obviously I'm excited about
1: this new step in my life. Um, and I'm excited. I'm honestly excited about the uncertainty. I have no idea. I mean, I have a, a vision of where I want to go in the next like five years, but I, I really don't know what could happen, right? Especially in the, these next few months. So, um, I'm excited about uncertainty and being uncomfortable.
0: Love it, brother. Yeah. I want to take a minute and acknowledge you because yeah, I want to acknowledge you while we make eye contact. Okay. Damn, your eyes are fucking beautiful. Your eyes are so, blue. <laughs> so I want to, no, I want I want to acknowledge you for all of the obstacles, all of the adversities that you've overcome and you may not recognize it. You may not identify it, but, You are a powerful, powerful, inspirational leader. And for having someone like you to look up to and and have in my community and my circle means the world. And I want to continue growing and building our relationship because I I just vibe with you. And I love the energy you put out. And I know how genuine and authentic you are. And that you just care about people and making an impact in their lives. So I just want to take... A moment to recognize you and acknowledge you. That was and, awesome, man. Do you yeah. leave? Do you leave every single conversation like that? It's oh. some. It's something new that I'm really trying to okay. do because uh, I I just feel like myself as well. A lot of times we're doing something so special yeah. in the process of it, but we don't really understand because we're in it. And sometimes it takes an outsider to kind of point these things out. You know, and yeah. like recognize I think we all need to be better at accepting compliments and loving ourselves more and not being so self-sabotaging. You know what I mean? And this next step, like whatever this, you know, uncertainty presents you, I just want to be on the ride, dude. Like if there's anything I can do to support you, help you, um, I'm always here. That means a lot, man. Thank you very much. Hell yeah, I brother. appreciate that. And I want to give you a chance to tell everyone listening where they can connect with you more, because I'm sure after listening to this, they're going to want to dive deeper. So can you just let them know?
1: Yeah. Um, if you're interested in programs or working together one-on-one, uh, frostfittraining.com, you can check that out. And then on Instagram as well, Patrick Frost too. Uh, and message me, DM me. Let's talk. Let's
0: get to know each other. Hell yeah. Guys, and I would encourage you. I always try to get you guys to take action. Because we always say knowledge isn't power. Knowledge is potential power. Okay, so Patrick dropped a lot of knowledge bombs on you today. And we want to know what resonated the strongest. What was something he said that really struck a chord with you? Let us know. Post in your story on Instagram, tag us both so we can continue this conversation because really that's the goal. We're trying to cultivate this conscious community and really keep the dialogue going. And we want to let you know that you're not alone in your journey called life. All right. Any any parting words to say? Love you guys. Spread love. Do love. Do love things. Be kind. Hell yeah. Yes to all of those things. Guys, much love for listening all the way through. We appreciate you and your time and your energy. And you already know what time it is. It's time to get off your ass and stand up to sitting. Boom!
1: That was awesome, dude.